From Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. So Robert, tell me about what this past year has looked like for you guys. Obviously, being in the space of leadership and you know all the, the challenges that everyone's experienced in this past year, what has that been like for you guys and not only your company, but you know what you're seeing with the companies that you advise for leadership? I, I think the leadership's top of mind for a lot of people and maybe not in, the, in a recognition of how tremendously impactful it can be. And that can be a, a force for good or a force for, for, well, something else. And what we really, what sort of underlies our values is the idea that we shape leaders and leaders shape the world. I think on the one hand, with the global pandemic, there was a bit of a, well, gosh, what are people, you know, what are our clients going to cut from their budget? What's going to be, what's going to stay above the line? And what I think we were happy to see is that, like you said, leadership's really important, continues to be top of mind for people, even though a lot of budgets got cut. Our clients continue to, to make this concerted investment in their people, either to make sure they're identifying the right talent to be in key leadership roles. I think what's so exciting about this year is that on the one hand, we were anticipating, you know, a real challenge in terms of what sales would look like, what our maintaining our current relationships look like. And we were very happy and a little surprised to see that we had a 50% increase in new client sales compared to the year before, and that was through a pandemic. I attribute that to a few things we can talk about, but it's phenomenal to see that when cl- companies are put to the test and have to make really tough decisions about where to invest and what they can keep, that the rigor of identifying the right talent and of making sure those folks are prepared and, and ready to take on those roles and increase scope and complexity still persist. Mm. Totally. I think that one of the big changes about this year and this accompanied a quintupling of our marketing budget was access to all this new data that we didn't have before. So we had our customer data and that gave us some really useful information that I can talk about. We also have access to all those new data through Google Analytics, through companies like ZoomInfo that we're using to support our new inside sales force. We have all this data around where conversions are happening well, whether people are getting hung up. And that's really helping us to begin to make more strategic choices around where we need to sort of fill in key gaps in the, the pipeline coming into a more advanced sale. Nice. Um, what would you say has been your greatest challenge this year? Yeah, I think the, the greatest challenge that I've need to navigate is maintaining my confidence during great ambiguity and to patience. I think that we've all been put to the test a little bit on our, our adaptability through the last year, right? Both our clients and consultants. I'm in my first sales leadership role. I'm about two and a half years in. And a lot of the programs and choices I was looking for the organization to make were choices that I had never asked an organization to make before. These were all new experiences. This focus around building inside Salesforce, making, asking the organization to make a huge increase 
investment in marketing, developing all this data analytic tools that would help us make new decisions. All these things were, and all these things were new, right? I was asking the organization to do that at a time when you'd expect things to go down. How are we going to evaluate whether these things worked or not? But the fact that we actually improved a new business through a pandemic, that's really kind of that reinforced confidence that I was really hoping would come through because it takes a little bit of time from when you make a choice to when you read the results. And sometimes that window is a little bit longer than you prefer, but it's been working out pretty, pretty darn well. And uh, yeah, just keeping the patience, keeping the confidence. I think that it's easy to get focused on outcomes and not on process and, and what behaviors you're choosing. And I think that's been the big lesson of this year is the importance of focusing on, am I doing the right behaviors? Am I making the right choices? And knowing that the results will come. And, and, and at least in this case, this time they have, which is nice to see. Nice. That's awesome. I, I've played poker for years and anyone will tell you that poker is the only game that you can play really horribly and win and play really, play really badly and win and play really well and lose. And uh, I think that applies to sales in a lot of ways. The accounting for variance, again, just focus on the right behaviors, trust your, trust your instincts and what you're doing and the outcomes will make their way into your life and into your, your spreadsheet. Love that. So what are ways in which you build lifelong relationships with your customers? Obviously you're in the consulting space and, you know, I'm sure you're working with customers day in and day out. What are, what are things that you've learned as you've, you know, been in sales for, you know, this length of time and as you're in a leadership role, what adds to, you know, creating success and forming those long-term relationships? Yeah. Before I was here at RHR, I was at sort of the, the biggest HR advisory consulting firm. I think we have about 9,000 people at, at this point. Now I'm at a firm that's about 160. And in both firms, we did some customer research. What are the things we could be doing better? And what was surprising and maybe not surprising at the same time was that both firms got the exact same answer from their clients. The number one thing that we could be doing better to serve them is to put a, is to be more proactively putting new ideas in front of them on how we can help them. And that's, that's as for a sales leader, that's like the best message ever, right? Is, hey, to all our consultants, the thing that your clients are saying that we need to do better is to proactively put new ideas and ways we can help them in front of them for them to react to. So this isn't about, hey, you know, we need to achieve X percent growth this year or hey, if you want your commission to improve, you should be selling more. It's if what's important to you is to serve your clients best and to retain them, this is what they're saying is missing or what we could be doing better. And so I think that calls out for me and where we really had our focus over the last year is to very proactively and thoughtfully engage our clients on where our thinking is, where we have new products and solutions and putting them in front of them and getting them a chance to react to it and consider how it might fit into their organization. There's always a million reasons why not to reach out to your client or to a prospect. We're certainly not short of reasons this year, right? There's a global pandemic. Does a client really want to hear about a new product we've brought to market? Is now the right time? What if they get mad at me? And I know that we've sent 
tens of thousands of emails to our either current clients or people within our networks. And I think probably three negative responses. And that was at like March, early March when like the pandemic was really kicking off and they were from hospitals. Mm-hmm. Understandable. I and mean, you're always going to have a little bit of miss. And when you're sending out tens of thousands of emails, there's going to be some loss. But we're talking about way below 1% negative outcomes for, for, you know, a pretty extraordinary return the number of clients who do say, oh, I want to hear more about that. Because while we can focus on the client, the, the companies are really struggling, like retail and hospitality, lots of clients are doing just fine. And then, okay, sure, they might have a, a small decline in revenue this year, but they know they're going to survive this. And there's still the same problems that were there before the pandemic are still there, or maybe they're worse and they still need help. And so from a communication standpoint for me and from a change management perspective for me, my focus has been on this is what our clients are saying they need from us in order to feel like they're getting the most value from what RHR can offer and anchoring our strategy in that. How can we help them better? Not, hey, you know, don't you want to make more money? You got to sell more consulting. I really don't think that's one. I don't think that would be authentic for me. And two, I don't think that would be authentic or resonate with our sales force. So it's about putting new ideas in front of people. It's about innovating products. And that's what we've been really focused on. And I think there's always a, a risk or an understandable objection around cannibalization, right? You have a more expensive, more customized product. You now have a more configured, less expensive product that doesn't offer the same things, but maybe it's the right fit for a given client. I forget who said that if you don't cannibalize your business, somebody else will. I think you've probably heard that quote before. Yeah. And I think that that's, again, a message that I think, you know, makes a lot of sense, which is we need to innovate. We need to show them, hey, maybe they do need to cut back on assessment costs or on development costs. And we have a solution that will fit in with that. And sure, it's not the same as our more robust high touch offering, but maybe it fits in with the budget that they need to now accommodate, right? Or they want to reach more people and therefore they need to bring down the cost per head. So an understandable fear of cannibalization, but one that you just, you do your best to swallow. And that's a key part of keeping clients because you need to show that you can go where they're headed and not just that you fit in with where they were. Love that. Um, the, the last thing is, is, again, we talked about before around having access to new data, right? So I use a, a platform called ZoomInfo that helps me track migrating executives effectively because I know that most of our new clients come from people who have already worked with us. They go somewhere else and they bring us along, but they don't always call us first, right? So making sure that we have tracking in place to say, okay, at our largest client, we had four people left the organization this month. Where are they now? What's their new role? Let's get a hold of them. I think that one, it shows a, a commitment to those people and two, it's the best new source of leads. But yeah, it's, it's around putting new ideas and keeping yourself relevant. It's about innovating and going, even if that means putting your own current line of business at risk for a new offering that might be lower cost, but more in line with their needs. And it's about really staying connected with changes in their business, where people are headed, what new people are coming in and uh, responding effectively to that. Totally. That's awesome. 
So what key advice should other sales and marketing leaders and their teams take away from you? Yeah, I think there's a, a few key things that I, I really connect with over the last year. One is that a little bit of coaching or a little bit of training goes a long way. And even for experienced sales leaders, and I know that we all get to a certain level of confidence of, I don't need to prepare for an hour before my next sales call, or I don't even need to prepare five minutes, or I don't need uh, a script or what have you. But sort of an annual physical with a, a coach, I think can be really helpful. Share your pitch with, with an experienced sales coach. Share how you introduce your firm or you introduce your product and get feedback. I think that that's been one of the things that I did over the last year. And I got a, off of two, three hours of coaching, got a lot of really useful feedback. And that's something that you should be doing with your teams too. So a bit of a, an annual exam, what's going well, where can you make adjustments and consider the fact that maybe there's a few different opportunities for your message to resonate a little bit better. And it doesn't have to cost that much to, to make those small investments from a time or from a billable hours perspective. The second one is to spend as much of your time as possible in the place where you're most profitable. So what I mean by that, like I said, I've, I played mid to high stakes poker and, and learned a lot from that, but any good poker player can tell you that most of the money you will make isn't from you getting better. It's from playing at a table or in a situation where you can be profitable. So it's really more about the other people and how they perform and less about what you're doing. What I mean by that is really engage with what, whether that's engaging what industry you perform best at, whether that's identifying, well, I can invest equally in all of my salespeople, or I can invest 90% of my time in my top, you know, 20% of sales people. I think that you're going to see a lot more return investing very heavily in your top performers than investing equally or investing a lot of time in people who aren't really delivering. And that's a, an adjustment that I've really made. Three, and we talked about this before, always be prospecting as opposed to always be closing. I know the allure of when you've got, you know, three or four deals at the proposal or closing stage, and you really want to focus on getting this across the line that sending out thousands of marketing emails or whatever you're doing, LinkedIn connections tends to fall by the wayside, but three months later, you're really going to wish you were doing that stuff. So always be focused on building the front of the pipeline, even when it's way more fun and way more, way more exciting to be closing deals. And the last thing is really just be patient with yourself and with your team. It's, we're going through tremendous change right now in the, in the general market. There's a lot of our clients asking for us to behave in new ways or offer new products and it takes time to change. And so for salespeople, we don't have to deliver the work. We just need to sell it. And uh, so it's easy for, it's one thing for me to change my messaging and offer a new product. It's another thing for all the, the talented consultants who now need to deliver a new product or need to deliver a solution in a new way. And I think it's so important to recognize just how much you're asking of, and that doesn't just apply to consulting, that applies, you know, across industries. Having a real respect and recognition for how much change your team is already going through, how much stress on the system is currently in place. And that if you're asking people to do things differently or you're looking for, you know, a, an accelerated growth, what have you, 
to have a respect and appreciation for not only the personal stress that I think a lot of people are experiencing right now with all their kids being home or what have you, but also a respect and appreciation for the amount of duress that they have in their professional lives, all the change they're having to, to manage. And that people are committed to working hard and want to deliver effectively. And it's just going to take them a little bit of time to do new things the way you want them to. Totally. That's awesome advice. I appreciate it. And Thanks so much for joining the podcast, Robert. It was awesome to have you on and it was uh, really awesome to listen to all your wisdom and advice here. Yeah. Great talk to you, Brad. Yeah. Take care.